Detroit. Welcome to the D, baby. Welcome to another episode, Middle Ground with JLE LLC, where we treat you like family. Have another amazing guest for you today. Make sure I say it right. We have ophthalmologist, psychotherapist, author of Physician on Fire, host of the Surgical Spirit Podcast, Dr. Hadid Al-Hakim, MBBS London, MRCOPHTH, SNHS. D-I-P. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. That's that's quite um yeah, that's quite an introduction. I must say. I, you, I gotta bring you out right. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I'm interested, Jeffrey. What 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 made you sort of reach out to me and you know wanting me to come on here and speak to you on this uh fine evening here in the UK? Um I would say since God has me on this journey to interview amazing people making strides in their career to share their story, to inspire someone to find their purpose or start again. I get like a spider sense where I might come across people on LinkedIn. I read through it like this one to work. This weirdest thing, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's that, it's that spider sense, isn't it? It, It's something that, that, that attracts you, something that sparkles in front of you, something that has this, um, um sort of it's it's difficult to explain in words and i think that's something that that a lot of us have difficulty with because mm-hmm. it just it just feels right you know it just sits with you in the right place um and i think for me i mean i didn't really want to i mean i wouldn't say i didn't want to become a doctor but then i do want to become a doctor but it's 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 difficult to describe you know, um, yeah, I mean, my, yeah, I mean, my dad, my, my dad wanted to become a doctor, but, but he couldn't get in. Um, he had his excuses. Um, he was born in Iraq. I was born in Iraq myself. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, as, uh, as you guys say, Iraq, I, I think that's how you guys say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we messed up. <laughs> I never That's heard it said that way until you said it. Like, oh, we were saying Iraq. <laughs> what is it? What Iraq? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, he didn't quite get in, and you know, Middle Eastern families, you've got you've got three chances. You either become a doctor, or you become a lawyer, or you're a bit of a loser, sort of thing. You know, unless you make lots of money. So that's the kind of three options you have um as a human being <laughs> it sounds harsh but you know society's harsh you know That's society's true. harsh and you know people make certain judgments and you know if you come from a fairly sort of dogmatic society you know it's quite limited mm-hmm. um obviously this is back in the 70s Things have moved on since then but you know that's the kind of environment that i was in so i was kind of essentially pushed into sort of becoming a doctor um and i've always been pushed in in areas i think you know okay you just get used to being pushed i think <laughs> you know it's sort of easier for you because you don't have to think about it because it because it feels more certain when you're being okay. pushed in a, in a in a particular direction um so we had to actually leave we had to escape iraq because my family uh, certain members of our family were involved in politics and, and you know, they were against Saddam at the time. So, and Saddam didn't like my family very much uh, because of some people who are working in politics against him. So he actually um, rounded up over 100 uh, members of our family um, um, in the early 80s and executed 53 of them. This wow. was in 1983. So obviously we had to leave the country as soon as possible. Yeah, sorry to hear that. <laughs> so that's the kind of backdrop, you know, it sort of gives you a kind of a greater purpose that you're actually 
doing something not just for yourself but mm-hmm. for your family and even greater you know for your country um and probably even greater for your faith so you know that's the kind of levels of of um influence um that was put on you um from an from an early age and you know it's a strong narrative it's a strong story that sort of stays within you and it drives you you know through thick and thin um and it makes you very driven and very passionate um about the goal that you want to get to um so yeah we went you know we we escaped iraq and went to the uk um and i was always driven to sort of become that doctor and to get the experience and then go back go back to iraq and you know help the people back home so that was the driving force really um my mother, you know, is not, I mean, my dad is actually an academic, so he's, um, he's a um, doctor of uh, philosophy and zoology. So he, he, uh, he went into marine biology. Um, but, you know, my family's sort of steeped in, in faith and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of being a doctor is a kind of, you know, not a very uh, metaphysical profession. You know, it's, it's not very, uh, um yeah very little to do with god and and religion really but um yeah. <laughs> My so god. it's like yeah so there's kind of you know a bit of a contradiction there and and a bit of a dichotomy um and and i felt that really because you kind of you do the science and the science says it's all about you know materialism and it's all about the you know the empirical world um but you know at the back of your mind you know that it's there's more to life than than just the physical world um and it's sort of bridging the two the two worlds which is why i love you know the name of of you know the whole concept about your show you know the middle ground because i think that's where you know that's i mean i call it the battle but it's not really a battle but you know it is in a way you know because you're always trying to bring the opposites together I get it because uh-huh. I I don't have middle ground. <laughs> That's how I came up the name. Like, well, yay is yay, nay is nay. So I can listen to other stuff. So I'm going to call it middle ground. <laughs> no, it's difficult. It's difficult because it's much easier to sort of point the finger everywhere else, but but not at yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you you can look at others and, and see where they go, where where they are going astray. And it's quite easy to do that, but it's much more difficult looking at yourself and, you know, accepting where you're going astray. Um, So I kind of went between extremes. So, you know, religious extremism and also materialistic extremism. Um, So, yeah, I've always, you know, that's always been the kind of dichotomy for myself. Um, and you know, also this whole thing about you know Iraq, UK. I mean, it's two different cultures, two different mm-hmm. ways of looking at life. You know, East and West. Sure. Um, you know, a country that's sort of essentially been decimated for years and years and years, and then you go to a, a developed, you know, Western country. You know, how do you, you know, reconcile the two? Um, yeah, you know, and, and 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 like, where do you belong? <laughs> you know, is yeah. it back home? Is it in the UK? So, it, lots of interesting, you know, lots of interesting um, questions there. Now, why did you choose the ophthalmologist and psychotherapist? Well, um, when I did medical school, when I was in medical school uh, in London. Um, so I managed to get into, you know, quite a prestigious medical school and I came from, you know, essentially refugee status and mm-hmm. I guess in, in the States you call them illegals. So I was kind of sort of an illegal and then I managed to sort of get into this medical school and I didn't really, I don't think I really fit in. It it, it was alien to me because it was sort of middle, upper class kids. Okay. Um so it was a bit kind of weird for me. And I thought, well, let me just get through this and see how it goes. 
And then you're taught medicine in the physical and uh, sort of medical sense, uh, um, pharmacological sense. So everything had a drug. And sort of, I had this notion that maybe, you know, maybe healing is really important. Maybe metaphysical healing, maybe soul healing, maybe something that's sort of beyond just just the physical and and the medical um but that didn't really materialize you know it was it was literally you write this prescription you give this drug you do this operation so um i didn't really enjoy it <laughs> you know i didn't really find anything that really caught my eye um and i was thinking about getting out of medicine to be honest with you so i finished medical school and i thought to myself well i don't like hospital medicine mm-hmm. so i didn't really know what to do and then um i literally out of the blue got an interview to do ophthalmology um and ophthalmology is a kind of it's not a you know a real traditional hospital kind of medicine you know there's not much blood and guts okay you know it's sort of quite meticulous uh, small area surgery very specialized um and it's a mixture of both medicine and surgery um plus you know people don't don't die on you and it's kind of less less stressful um you know the worst that can happen you know people can go blind i mean there are certain situations where you know it can escalate into mm-hmm. um a life-threatening situation but that's very rare thank you know thankfully so it was it, it was kind of a way out really it was a, it was a way out of of doing medicine um, okay. and it and it kind of just fell in my lap you know i i got an interview i went to the interview the guy that was interviewing me went to the same medical uh, school school that i did mm-hmm. so i kind of you know played played that card and you know that worked very well um so yeah i mean i found myself in this situation i took full advantage of it and there there i was i started a career in ophthalmology um and i've been very fortunate because it's um you know it's quite a competitive field and i've just i i just kind of fell fell into the fell into the specialty really you know there was no preconception or sort of pre-idea that i was going to go into this and my passion was into this It it literally just fell into my lap and and you know a bit like you know your 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 JLE experience and um, middle ground it just sort of fell on your lap and 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 you took it and ran with it yeah so I did give up music for a minute like came across somebody couldn't not do it again and yeah. doing this the way I'm doing it was not the plan <laughs> it's different for sure yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that was like, okay, so ophthalmology is quite rare. There's not many ophthalmologists about in the world, particularly, you know, um, particularly where, where I'm from. So this, so I thought, well, you know, I, I should maybe think about going home and, 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 and helping the people. Obviously, at the time, I couldn't go because Saddam was still there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our family is kind of public enemy number one for Saddam. Um, and then, you know, thank God that, that, you know, there was the, um, the ousting of his, uh, of his regime by, uh, by you guys. So, you know, that was a real godsend okay. um, because, because I wouldn't have dreamed in a million years that Saddam would disappear. And I wouldn't have dreamed in a million years, I'd go back home because uh, oh, wow. I left in 1979. You know, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so that was a long time ago, and I and I thought to myself, well, you know, uh, I'm never going to get back, whatever. And in 2003, I was I was watching the TV, and you know, the statue came down. And I thought, oh my god, you know, here is um, you know an absolute godsend of an opportunity. So I, um, yeah, I I went back home in 2004. I took a flight to Jordan. <clears throat> Because at the time there was no, you know, there's no government. It was, it was, it was all up in the air. People thought I was crazy. You know, how the hell would you, you know, why, why are you going back to to a war zone? And but in, in, inside of me, it, it sort of talked to me. 
you know this was okay. the right thing you know is 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 that spider sense that this is the thing that you have to do next it doesn't make logical sense at all and yeah. and it's obviously you know a crazy a crazy endeavor so i had to go to jordan um and then I had to cross the borders. The borders were closed. I had to get permission from um, the army that was controlling the borders. And they told me, look, if if you go into Iraq, God knows what's going to happen. Because at the time, there was... You know, yeah, it went settled there was some There was some serious stuff going on. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, we had to cross through Fallujah at the time. Ooh. And... Um, Surprise, surprise, our our um, car broke down in Fallujah uh, in, <laughs> in 2004. And it was like, right, you know, our heads are going to be up on the stake or, you know, the stuff that they, you know, that you see on CNN. Um, yeah, it broke down. And then there's a pickup truck that sort of came up mm-hmm. and three guys came out. They, they had their AKs and, uh, you know, they, they 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 had um what are they called uh so masks sort of you know because oh, it was uh because uh, it was <laughs> desert and sort of windy weather and so on and you know we've got this thing between sunnis and shias i'm a shia myself fallujah's full of sunnis and i thought to myself well you know that's it you know that's the end of me um and then they came and approached us it was me and the driver and they said what are you doing here and I just told the truth. I, I said, I'm coming. I, I came in through Jordan and we're going to southern Iraq because my family's from southern Iraq. Um, and the car's broken down. Can you help us? And they sort of looked at us. They looked at the car. They <coughs> saw that we were, you know, essentially telling the truth because we went left. And they're like, yeah, sure. And they they fixed the car uh they took us to a sort of a derelict um area where they had um they had a big tanker mm-hmm. and, and 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 it said some kind of stuff like us army on it or something like that and oh. they gave us some uh some pe- some gas and then they sent us on our way and i thought wow you know oh, all these all this sort of misconception and sort of prejudgments that we have in our heads and you know i'm thinking that's it you know these sunnis are gonna chop us up and mm-hmm. feed us to the uh, to the hawks um so that was quite that was quite surreal i went to my uncle who is um uh, a tribal leader um and that was quite surreal and then it sort of gave me that you know that impetus to to say to myself well you know this is my purpose you know to to come back home and and to help the people in iraq and uh, i mean that's what i did so um you know every, every six months or so i'd be going back between the uk and iraq and doing operations and training the eye doctors there and this went on for about uh, i did this for about six years wow and then i sold up everything in the UK and I moved over to Iraq in 2010 and obviously you know (laughs) know, Iraq you know Iraq wasn't a very stable place this whole time and you know bombs would be going off and I saw bombs in front of me and and um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know we had dealings with with different armies from from different nations but luckily, but, you know, I mean, I got some serious funding from the U.S. Army. I got some serious funding from the U.K. government. So that's pretty cool. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have such positive um, experiences, for, you know, with the Allied forces. Um, so I did that for six years. In 2010, I sold everything up in the U.K. And I moved over to to Iraq and um, we, we had a couple of hospitals there. We were uh, I was helping in and running. And um, it was kind of okay. Um, but then, you know, when you reach the kind of the mountain that you've set yourself that you're going to climb. Yeah. It's like, hmm. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was it was quite, um, I didn't know how to react to it because I'd never been in that situation because you've sort of 
done what you've set out to do mm -hmm. throughout your whole um, life, so to speak. And I, uh, I was coming over to sort of becoming 40. And I guess it's that 40s thing for men. You know, you start questioning, you know, what, what your meaning is and what your purpose is. And true. You know, so I, I was I was having so many questions. I was so so many questions, and you know, I was in a really bad place as well. Um, plus, you know, I was losing that kind of. It's based on faith, really. I mean, that's what drove me, and I yeah. guess, yeah, you just have so many questions, and then you can't answer it, and there's a lot more sort of cognitive dissonance going on in your head because you have you know a, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of deep questions which you can't really answer or you can't really just dismiss yeah. um, anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I had a sort of a crisis of faith, really, a loss of faith and and um, questioning everything. And, um, and I saw um, I saw a coach, actually. I mean, a friend of mine came over from from the UK and he saw me in Iraq mm. and he said, mate, you look, you know, you're miserable. You know, there's something wrong with you. You need to see someone. You know, why don't you see a life coach? And I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to see a life coach. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm this successful surgeon and I've come from the UK mm -hmm. and I'm treated like royalty and, and like celebrity. You know, I don't need any help. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I saw this life coach and, you know, essentially he showed me that there's an alternative reality for yourself. And, you know, the, maybe this isn't for you anymore. Maybe it's something else. So that got me interested in this whole, you know, coaching and hypnosis. And um, so, I mean, I did come back to the UK. I decided to come back. Okay. Um, my wife was pregnant. Uh, we'd already had two children so we were having our third one and you know this i i thought that the situation in iraq would get better and it didn't you know it sort of you know it, uh, politically didn't settle down and yeah. so this was 2012 uh end of 2012 i decided to come back and you know essentially start again but i i got really interested in you know this whole sphere around coaching and hypnosis and you know eventually uh, psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and you know i went into psychoanalysis which was really interesting okay. um and you know that got me interested in in this whole thing that you know life is um greater than just the the physicality of the world um you know because surgeons pretty much deal with you know bones and and uh, skin and eyes you know they're not really that interested yeah. in <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> you know the world of the unseen yeah um so yeah that you know sorry to sort of answer I'm that not... question with with uh you good bro this show about you yeah so yeah that's that's the reason why you know ophthalmology and psychotherapy so how did you get to your podcast, Surgical Spirit? Well, I think one of the reasons that sort of got me out of my funk um, and my difficulty in Iraq is is um, I started listening to just um, – I started listening to history, actually. There was this podcast called um, Hardcore Histories by Dan Carlin. Okay. So, and and he, you know, he's not a academic historian. He's a he's an amateur historian, but he's really interested in history. And I found it really fascinating because I'd never really studied these things. Okay. You know? And I thought to myself, "Wow, here's me thinking I know everything. You know, I've got to the top. You know, I should be happy now. I should be satisfied. I should be, you know." Living the dream. What's the word? Yeah, living the dream, exactly, you know, but I'm not. Um, yeah, so I started listening to to these podcast episodes uh, by Dan Carlin. Um, then I found uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, 
And I started listening to other podcasts and I thought to myself, well, hmm. And then I spoke to a few friends and they said, well, look, you know, you're a really good listener. And, you know, plus I'm a nosy person. You know, I like to know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm really nosy. And, and you know, that comes from my mum because my mum's super nosy. And, and oh, you know, no. my. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my sort of feminine energy is quite high. You know, I'm sort of, you know, quite high in in, in feminine traits, which is um neuroticism so i i you know I, I do have a high level of negative emotion um so i can relate to people quite quite quickly who are going through negative emotions um plus i'm quite extroverted so i like to be in social settings and i like to be interested you know I'm, I'm interested in other people um i guess you got to be in this kind of healthcare sector and also psychological sector um but yeah i'm just interested and 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 so yeah that's the reason why i started the podcast out of my own um therapeutic benefit from it you know um because once you get into the heads of other people and understand what what, what's going on in you know in their lives you get a greater understanding of, of 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 how your life works and why you do the things that you do and you can you can relate to that and and you know that's quite therapeutic you know that's quite you know it sort of calms you down and and um because i'm quite high on sort of anxieties and sort of stuff like that so I'm, I'm always finding ways of reducing my levels of anxiety and then when you do that the sort of other people get the same vibes as well and it reduces their anxieties and okay you know then you can have you know a more chilled conversation um, so yeah, that's why the, the the podcast happened, and um, you know, I like to talk about non-physical stuff, you know, spirituality and sort of spirit, and okay. um, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, I'm a bit of a um, a perfectionist. I guess you got to be when you're doing surgery and you're doing all this medical stuff. So it's like having, yeah. I guess, I guess uh, the worst of both worlds, you know, perfectionism and uh, <laughs> and the hocus pocus stuff, yeah. you know, you know, all that weird mumbo jumbo that they talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a skeptic, really. I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm skeptical okay. of, of 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 so many things, but yet I kind of believe in in this kind of mumbo jumbo, unseen faith stuff. So it's kind of weird. I can't really explain it. Yeah. I guess I guess it gives you you know a certain level of 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 tranquility. I think it just you know you realize you can you can let go and you can rely on other things rather than just yourself because you know how unreliable yourself is you know oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we yeah yeah we can be i mean yeah. someone created all this amazing stuff we look at every day someone can be explained somebody like i don't know somebody <laughs> yeah i mean it's done by other people and you know we don't know who they are and and you know but it's a, a lot of effort i mean a lot of effort has, has gone into having the lights on you know just just switching on the lights you know you know that's that's um such an amazing effort and it takes so much uh expertise and energy and 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 will and power um so yeah we do rely on so many other people and so many other things and so many other unknown things we just take it for granted um yeah then pandemic make us look at that more now that if you are able to take care of yourself, your family, you're healthy, you're really blessed because some people are really struggling. Yeah. We yeah. got away from that. Like I want the Jordans, I want the Benz, like yeah. oh that really ain't that important compared to what other people dealing with and they lost their company because of this and they can't get it back. Like it's inflation is high. Like it's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of problems there. I mean, you know, over the last two and a half years, two years, you know, we've been working nonstop, really. Um, and 
I actually f fell out of love, f you know, with with medicine and ophthalmology, and I wasn't really that interested anymore. You know, I was I was, I was thinking about you know essentially psychotherapy and, and psychoanalysis, and then um, the pandemic happened, mm -hmm. and then we were called back in, and I realised how important the 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 work I was doing, whereas before I just took it for granted. And, you know, when we had to go back and, you know, do even more work, you know, I realized how other people rely on so much of our work. And that was um, that was a blessing oh, yeah. in disguise. Yeah. Whereas before I just took it for granted. I thought, oh, it's just whatever. You know, it's just another mm -hmm. uh, day's work or, you know, an, another paycheck or whatever. Um, but no, over the last two years, uh, I realized how important uh, our work is um, and I felt that sort of sense of um, gratefulness and and uh, sense of power and sense of community um, you know with with everyone you know not just you know the local community that I was serving but you know just globally mm. you know, how people um, rely on you and rely on you know I guess a few good and positive oh. words that you can that you can convey i know um, the painting industry has i always kind of have some people look down oh you 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 clean toilets you pull trash but in a global pandemic if it's not sanitized you really can't go there so put some respect on people that clean behind you don't look down at them some people had a different perspective now because this pandemic no you're absolutely right you're you're absolutely right and you know, this the society doesn't work uh, unless everyone's involved and everyone, um, you know, and does their bit. Um, you know, no matter how uh, high or low you are, you know, we're all needed. That's true. Now, you became a fellow author. What led you to write the book, Physician on Fire? Well, um, I guess it's just I had a lot to say. Okay. I had a lot to say, and I had so much stuff inside of me which I hadn't expressed, and I didn't have the um, the bravery or the guts to to say these things. So it's quite a, a vulnerable piece. Okay. It's quite a personal piece, uh, and you know the people that read it, uh, you know, who are personally related to me, they don't like the book because it's, you know, because I kind of just get it out there um so it's caused quite a few issues you know for myself in terms of uh, difficult relationships with my family uh, you know close family members and and siblings oh wow um but it was stuff that i had to get off my chest really um when i read it now you know i laugh because it's like it doesn't affect me anymore but you know you know when you've changed oh yeah and then but you sort of look yeah. back and you think to yourself, really, did I think this way? That's so childish. Yeah. But uh, it started but the, So you but need the problem to get is, But the problem is, it's written on in a book, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, when I wrote my book, like, ooh, I want the world going to know. Well, you're telling me to write, so I'm going to write, Lord. All right, put it out there. <laughs> yeah, so... But, it was a bit embarrassing, really. I mean, when 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 I read it now, it's embarrassing. But I mean, at the at the time, it was a really serious situation, and you know, I was burnt out, and you know, in a in a very dark place. And you know, this is my way of sort of getting out of it, um, you know, and sort of finding the light again. Um, and you know, essentially, it's stories because you know it's it's the stories that make you, and it's the stories that break you, and um, and you know that's what they are: a book of stories and a book of all my failures and and uh, cock ups. And you know, people like to read about failures, you know, because it makes them chuckle, and they <laughs> say to themselves, "Oh, I'm not going to do that. This man did this. I'm never going to do that." Uh, you hope not. <laughs> Maybe well, I, of course of course of course i mean you know i mean i don't want people to make you know horrendous mistakes and 
um you know pay the price i don't think there's uh, uh look i mean you know three three percent of the population are psychopathic and you know uh, and they're the ones who love to see everyone fail and you know everyone fall into a ditch and um and and die and you know that's that's kind of static you know three percent of the population you want to run away from um but the majority of us are you know, decent people who are who are who are very flawed, and are trying their best to sort of stay on the middle ground and keep going. That's true. So, have you come across a reader that liked the book? I think everyone's everyone's liked the book, apart from one person. I got one person that gave me one star. Okay. Um, but I don't know who that is because it's anonymous and they didn't leave a comment um yeah everyone likes the book yeah of okay. course just just that three percent that don't like the book i gotcha. think well actually the, my sister didn't like the book yeah you said some of your family had issues <laughs> <laughs> so well you see i mean the reason why she didn't like the book mm-hmm. i mean the reason why she didn't like the book is is because i'm quite damning of my mother really um i mean not in every situation but you know in certain situations uh you know it affected me negatively you know quite profoundly and i sort of talk about these things okay so she wasn't too happy about that (laughs) understandably i guess yeah your point of view though how you felt about it it's a difficult one, you see, because uh, I mean, in our in our society, you know, the mother has a sort of a sacred position. Yeah. So, you know, if you say anything derogatory towards the, um, you know, the benevolent mother, um, it's taken very badly. Um, but you know, we all know that the mother can be devouring as well as benevolent. So, yeah, you know, we, we need to, mistakes. you know, we need to call that out. Yeah, parents do the best they can. Absolutely. So, what would you say your biggest challenge? My my biggest challenge is uh, accepting more uncertainty. You know, I like to be certain about things, um, but I think as as I'm getting older, I realize that you know life is in the uncertainty and in the unexpected. And, you know, in that in that surprises that we get in life, you know, whether it's surprises in family or at work or um, in leisure, you know, and that's where the interesting bits are. You know, it's in that um, uncertainty and unexpectedness and uh, uneasiness to a certain extent. I mean, you know, you don't want to, you know, totally go, um, you know, in a chaotic state. Um, but I'm learning to sort of let go of things and not be sure all the time and yeah, just let things happen to you. Um, whereas before I was just a control freak, really, you know, I I had to make sure everything was, you know, was in place and, you know, uh, my God, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't switch off. That was my problem before. Yeah, I had an issue when I was a little younger. I had to learn sometimes enjoy the moment. You ain't got to make sure you planned it all the way out so you know every possible outcome. Sometimes just enjoy being there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, with the podcast, God knows what's going to happen. You know, there's two individuals. You're having a conversation. It can go anywhere and anything can happen um which can be quite uh anxiety generating um but you know over the years it's like yeah it happens it happens and okay yeah we get a good outcome in the end yeah i mean i did the show is to market promote the person to share their journey then give advice to help someone else find their purpose but if they need to clean a, something off their chest about something about them, hey, show's about you. <laughs> what you want to yeah. talk about? And I've had some shows where 
They got on their soapbox on something like, hey, this show is about you, man. Do you. Or do you like it? And last question. What advice do you have for someone trying to find their purpose? I mean, I was going to say don't find it. Let it find you. So, okay. I mean, I'd say do what you're good at you know, wherever it is and, and, you know, work extremely hard at that, that you're really mm -hmm. good at. Um, and opportunities will come along. That's what's going to happen because, you know, you become good and good, you know, you, you get better and better in a particular task, which means that you're given more and more responsibilities because you get better at the job um, and just keep working hard. And then more and more opportunities come along. And then the purpose comes to you rather than you going to the purpose. So, I mean, I had this idea of going back to Iraq and, and helping my people. I didn't know how or sort of how, where, but, you know, did medical school, didn't enjoy it, went into ophthalmology. That was, that was fun. Saddam disappeared, went back to Iraq that that disappeared went into psychotherapy that was okay went back into medicine so it, it's like things just happen to you and i think if you let things happen to you um it kind of makes sense looking backwards so planning forwards i think i think the only way to kind of do it properly to plan forward is to make sure that you know you're getting better at something i think that's you know, that's something that you can do going forward is to make sure that you're getting better every day, even if it's just half a percent uh, every day or one percent every day. Um, eventually, it will get better and better and more and more opportunities come along. Um, but we all know what we're good at. You know, we're all, we all know there's something that we're really good at. You know, if you double down on that, um, the purpose will shine forth towards you and i think um you know that's quite that's worked for me i okay. think that's worked for me yeah that's awesome advice definitely appreciate you sharing your journey hope you enjoyed yourself yes i did yes I, I i enjoyed myself and um i've never been on a show like this before so i didn't know what to expect and I think it's, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, cool conversation about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun. But <laughs> a few questions. Let's see why you do this, this, and this. What else you got going on? And I always need that advice at the end. You know, I got, I guess you got to give me that last question. That's like the bread and butter because. Someone's going to watch this, hear your story, like, okay, maybe I should get started in trying to figure out what I'm good at. Yeah. And yeah, we're all good at something. Yeah. You, you, you know, that's a good thing about uh, not, not being in the middle ground. You know, we're all like very good at certain extremes. And if you keep doing it, you end up in the middle ground somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um. And also, I mean, one one thing that helped me a lot is I kind of switched off from seeing what other people are doing. I think that helped me a lot. You know, always comparing yourself to other so-called successful people. Yeah, um, no, be, because that can be quite d disheartening, and you mm -hmm. know, you kind of focus more on them rather rather than on yourself. Exactly. Um, Only got to focus on you and your destination. Nobody else matters. And, you know, I mean, if you've got the energy and, you know, you've got the power, you can focus on yourself and you're on, you know, immediate family. Um, and then if that works and it's successful, then you can go out a bit further. Um, yeah. But, you know, but once I start, you know, just focus on myself and, you know, my immediate family, you know, that's uh, that's benefited me, benefited me quite a lot. Because you learn more about yourself on your journey. It's going to be a process to get, even if you get halfway to your destination, you didn't learn a lot about yourself or new skills or 
well, I have to tweak this or that. And if you're focusing on, well, I need to be like LeBron or someone else, you can't figure out you. They good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're you doing their up. thing. And yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, they found themselves. Um, I, you know, we're, we're all very complicated. That's the thing. And, and, you know, you've got more than enough work dealing with yourself, let alone Absolutely. You know, trying to understand other people. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of self-work. You know, that's helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you achieved a lot so far. <laughs> yeah, and I guess there's more to come. I guess there's more to mm -hmm. come, you know, which is uh, which is scary as well. Um, <laughs> but I feel... But I mean, it's interesting because I feel that there's so much more that I can do, you know, so that's quite that's quite reassuring. And, you know, that's quite exciting as well at the same time. You know, Absolutely. there's more to come. Yeah, I definitely see your podcast helping a lot of people. Bring engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, these discussions you don't really hear amongst doctors and that's something that... that um, I mean, I enjoyed having deep conversations with with other work colleagues, um, mm -hmm. and they enjoyed having conversations with me. And you know, once you put it out there, it sort of creates a nice, an interesting dialogue, and it allows people to have different ideas and and um, articulate their thoughts. And I think that's really important. You know, the more you can articulate your thoughts, the more um, opportunities you can create, and more you know, new discoveries that that um can come about yes because i've been working to upload all the episodes i got so far to my youtube channel and just for a second listen to when i started out i'm like wow <laughs> i came a long way <laughs> they were cool show but you just see the difference like yeah i do you just was winging it like you didn't have a structure really you didn't do this wow. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah, and you've stuck at it. You've stuck at it, and and it's made a big difference since then. Oh yeah, and just Season you know, six, amazing. Just imagine, you know, an, another five years. What's going to happen? Yeah, I've been mandated a thousand episodes. <laughs> wow. I'm like, okay, I want you to get me. I work at it. But yeah, I think in five years, it's going to be a network where I get other people with different topics they are passionate about, different subject matter. It's going to be global. Exciting. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear about me in the UK like, that's my man. I know him. <laughs> you don't know middle ground. You just front like, no, I was on the show. Go pull up episode 118. Season six, like, oh, you do know him. Like, yeah, that's my dude. Yeah, well, let's get you on the podcast. Let's get oh, you yeah. on my podcast. I'm down. You know, and, and, you know, we can, we can, um, I can listen to you. I'm, and, I'm with um, it. Let me know when. Great, great, great. I'll contact you. I'll contact you. Okay. Hey, I share the love, man. We got to keep it going. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. What's what's your favorite sport? Who now? I would say I'll probably say more football than basketball now because basketball they don't bring it all the time, man. It's like you gotta wait till the playoffs for them to really play. Football is one and done, so there is no tomorrow. So you watch the playoffs, you got to bring it or you're going home. Right. NBA, right. I mean, they just skate through like, okay, we playing this big team on Sunday. We'll play hard. Then I ah, screw next week. Who cares? When's April? All right, let's go. Like NBA used to be fantastic. Every game, you couldn't miss it. So they were like, I'm going to beat you. But now, eh, I'm down by 30. So what? I get them next time. NFL, well, mm -mm. every game matters. When did it change? When when was that kind of 
When did the I change happen? I would say happen? the more the NBA probably grew in revenue to where players make more guaranteed money than what Michael Jordan made back in the day, they've gotten a little comfortable and entitled, in my opinion. Hmm. I mean, Jordan was not making no $200 million contract. It was crazy when he was getting $30 million deals late 90s. But he was balling out. So now you got guys getting $200 million and you look at their stats in the game, like, you didn't check the best player. You didn't ball out. And they paying you how much? I watch this on TV. I ain't come watch this crap on live and pay, what, 1000 for a ticket and you ain't giving me your best effort. That's why I love Kobe Bryant. He gave it every night. And a lot of these players don't do that every night. And that used to be the NBA. Every night, they give and they all. Now, eh, 82 games. I need time off, man. My, my, my pinky hurt. Let me, let me take two games. Then you see them on the sideline just throwing a ball around or whatever, a cut. Like, I thought they hurt. For real? You ain't playing? No, nah, man. Maybe they get back to it at some point to really, I want to be the best, so I'm going to beat you. That's why football, because you know every game matters during the season and the playoffs. Do they get paid less in, in football compared to uh, basketball? Oh, yeah. I mean, they pay more to quarterbacks, but contracts are not guaranteed. The signing bonus is. So if you can get $30 million signing bonus, that's really your contract because the chances they're going to pay you, say, five-year, $100 million, and they pay the rest of it, hopefully you don't start dipping in your game. You don't get hurt. You don't do nothing crazy that's scandalous where they need to get rid of you, make team look bad. So really, your signing bonus is your contract. Now, NBA, guaranteed contracts. Them in baseball. <laughs> I'll tell anybody, you want to play a sport? Guaranteed contracts. You get the love and the fanfare in football, but that's your quarterback. Contracts ain't going to be no stupid money. Yeah, yeah. So it's being comfortable and complacent is, is the reason why the passion's not there. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, if you're making all this money, you 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 achieved what you've been working for. Yeah. But hopefully you find that hunger that I need to be the champion at the end of June. So I can talk smack. I got the money and I'm talking smack. And you starting to see it slowly come back to that. And that's what made it fantastic. I'm going to be the champ come June. Like, and you say another star player, the reporter asked him a question like, um, yeah, so-and-so said they, they plan to hold the trophy in June. Like, what? What they say? Like, I'm not nice out here. Oh, all right, we played on Wednesday. I'm going to holler at it. And you see competitive games. But now, like, everybody don't, don't want to be the champion. I mean, they got money, endorsements. I get it. But you need to be the champ. And I like talking smack. So if I was very gifted in sport, <laughs> I got to be the champ. I don't care about all this. At the end of the season, who is the top dog? Put my name right there. And that makes Talk it smack. Talk smack, huh? We got to. When I used to play <laughs> Madden, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was horrible. If I was beating you 50 to 10, I'm talking so much trash. Get in the kitchen and cook me dinner. You got to go to bed at 9 o'clock because I'm beating you so bad. I'm, they like, no, hey, <laughs> touchdown. I'm not even going to look. Oh, touchdown, 60 now. Like, this dude get him in there. Like, stop me. But I'm still talking right trash there. when I lose. You just not love talking trash. I don't like people that don't talk trash when only when they win. To me, that's lame. You're going to talk trash, talk when you win it or you lose it. I respect that. But if you're only going to talk when you win it, like, uh, whatever. Me, I'm I'm going to talk all day long. When I used to play before I got busy with other stuff, oh, man. And we used to have a thing where in the first half, you get 21 zip, that's game. So that was the point. We're not playing second half. Mm -mm. We, we ain't going to sully our shoes with playing the second half. We're going to get 21 zip. Who's going to play next? 
you ain't gonna do that to me. I'm gonna get three points. No, we're gonna block the punt, get out of here, and just say I was young now. <laughs> so I really talk some that like I got 35 to zip. Get out of here. Who next? I'm gonna play him again, like mm. then beat him next time, 55 to two. Like, okay. Do you really want to play the second half? It's 55 to two. You got a safety. Whoop, whoop de do. Now we're gonna play the game. Like, okay, I'm trying to get 100. I never got 100 except in a college football game. And we had, but Bill watched college football. I had, I think, Bo Jackson. My brother had Hershey Walker, somebody, old school teams. And it was literally 108 to 104 because we couldn't stop running guy. I never seen a score like that. Like, these dudes were crazy in college. But, I ain't, I ain't played games in a while. I'll be busy doing everything else. What sports you into? Um, sort of boxing and MMA. I'm interested. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, killer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember. Oh, uh, I don't know I about killer, but yeah. First came out, yeah. man. That was brutal. Have you tonight. been to any UFC? Uh, have, have, have you been some... to any UFC events? I watched some of the pay-per-views at Buffalo Wild Wings. They, ooh. yeah, it, it's just some unnatural when you get the man down, and after three hits, the ref don't stop it. I'm like, dude, he can't defend it. He got three good hits in. Stop. Mate, yeah. And they just like, well, I'm gonna keep that, it until you stop it. That's that's just smack, you know. That's just talking smack, but 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 yeah. but physically. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. Boxing, you just got him in a corner, like you're gonna stop because I'm gonna keep hitting him. I'm like, yeah, ref, come on, stop the fight because he he ain't even doing this no more. He just like he gonna you gonna kill him, man. Come on, stop it. <laughs> so those definitely are still yeah. the gladiator sports so of I'm impose my will and everybody gonna watch me whoop you up. Yeah. Damn, oof. Yeah, I don't know how. They deal with those losses because it's on film. No, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've always enjoyed you know violence and and um, yeah, that kind of stuff, conflict, conflict, violence. Yeah, sports uh, is good. Baseball, good sport. Yeah. Well, you know, we're always competing, aren't we? You know, we're 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 always in this sort of state of competition. Um, and it's unnatural for us to kind of cooperate and and work together. You know, it's much more yeah. natural for us to compete against each other. Even, even if you're doing a basic card game, you get competitive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lose too many times, you're gonna get competitive. Like, wait a minute, you ain't gonna keep be beating me. Like, and the person might not be talking smack. Y'all just playing. Like, wait a minute, you won four games. And then it gets serious, like it's game time. Like, but we just having a friendly night. No, nah, you beat me four times. Wait a minute. <laughs> so we, we do have a competitive nature as people. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it's in our nature. You know, that's yeah. that's what made us survive for so long. But yeah. That is true. You know, we're always fighting and competing. Well, I definitely appreciate you being on the show. I look forward to being on your show, have more great conversation. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me on, and I hope it's been some benefit to the listeners. Oh, yeah. They probably might get kicked at the end part, talking about sports. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely want to thank ophthalmologist, psychotherapist, author, a physician on fire. Go check it out. Host of Surgical Spirit Podcast. Check that out on Spotify. Dr. Hadid Hadar, Al Hakim, MBBS London, MRCOPHTH, SNHISDIP. I appreciate you sharing your, sharing your journey on the show, man. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. I'm seeing you copy it once I get the show together. Many thanks. So, everybody, y'all have a good day until the next episode.
Each one is in.